Hello, and welcome to Idea City. I'm your host, Andrew Gilbert, and today we're talking with Sharon Stevens. Sharon is a multi-award winning media artist and activist, an instigator who's made a career of integrating art, activism, feminism, and social justice into a series of projects that enlighten, enliven, and entertain. Stevens' work demonstrates an unwavering belief in public participatory art and takes a beacon-like approach to leading public into artistic adventures in collaborative and meaningful art making. With 30 years as a practicing artist, Sharon has been involved with many of the city's art institutions and has served on boards, juries, committees, and staffs. Since 2014, she has been the part-time staffer at Alberta Media Arts. Sharon is also the founder of the Equinox Vigil. Sharon, welcome to Idea City. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So Sharon, for those who don't know, what is the Equinox Vigil and why is it important? Well, Equinox Vigil in the Calgary's Historic Union Cemetery was an event that I initiated in 2012. And it was an opportunity for the public to get together to honor their deceased in creative and meaningful ways. And uh, what I did was I invited local artists to install shrines and artworks. And then Calgarians of all ages were invited to attend and add personal messages and mementos to the shrines. They crafted memorial tributes with the help of professional artists, or they simply joined others for an evening of respectful reflection and remembering. So when did the Equinox Vigil start? I started, um, the idea was germinating for me in 29, 2009, and 2010, I approached the city um, to, to find out if I could put some kind of an event like that on in our, in our Calgary cemetery. Um, and it took me two years to convince them, but they finally uh, let me have access and put on a public event in 2012 on the... Uh, September equinox. So where did the idea come from to do something like this? Well, like most people I am that I've met that work in this area, uh, I was inspired by my own experience with death. My father died in 1995, which was a long time ago, but, um, and it was a, a Catholic funeral. And I was there when he took his last breath. My mother and I were the two that um, were at his bedside in the family home. And that was uh, in 1995 and a fairly um, unusual uh, experience or first for me anyway. Um, and um, But I felt like the funeral just didn't stay with me, didn't hold me, didn't give me something to hold on to. I'm not religious. It was a Catholic funeral, but um, and that can sometimes be very distant. Um, and I just started realizing that um, that I needed um, something more to hold my my feelings of grief and mourning. And I, I know that if um, people have religious backgrounds, they know which songs to sing, they know which um, uh, words to say, um, but I didn't have any of that. So from 1995 for a couple of decades, I just was feeling that feeling. And uh, then I went to a conference in Victoria and it was called Art and Activism. And I met 
two artists in residence uh, at the Vancouver Mountain View Cemetery. And that blew my mind. Uh, their names are Paula Jardine and Marina Sizzarto, and they still work in the Mountain View Cemetery in Vancouver. And they put on a week-long Day of the Dead event in early November in Vancouver. And I was so inspired by them. That was in 2006 that I reached out to them and asked if I could mentor with them. And I, you know, under my own money and on my own time, I came out to Vancouver and I learned how they put their event on. And I learned about how they hold the space for people because it is a sacred opportunity. So what was it like discovering this alternative to a religious approach to dealing with death for you for that first time? What was that like? It was really eye-opening and inspiring and comforting. Um, I, I just find that in um, my circles and in Western society, just to generalize, um, we're a bit death-phobic or we are um, just a, a little bit nervous about death. It's, it's you know, uh, oh, what am I trying to say here? Mm. Let me just start over by saying that um, I feel like we're removed from death. Like my mom, she's she's only, she's eighty nine, and in her lifetime, when she was a kid, she saw um, the, the the small town that she grew up in. They had wakes in her in their family home, and she saw a, a deceased person's body and. Um, since, you know, that would have been in the 40s, 1940s, which is still within our lifetimes. And, and the funeral industry has kind of removed that, that integration or that, um, that feeling of being connected to someone even after they've died. So how do you think that we became death phobic or was the West always so, so terrified of, of death because it sounds like your mother had a different experience than you did. So what do you think changed between those generations? I blame the funeral industry. <laughs> um, it, it does feel a little bit like corporatization of death um, and um, kind of um, doctoring that up. Like there's a change, there's a change going on now. Um, but for the longest time, bodies were embalmed, makeup was put on. Um, you know, when I saw my dad in the coffin, he didn't look like him. It didn't, you know, it didn't look like him at all. He kind of pumped his cheeks up and, um, so, uh, but that's changed now. But, um, I feel like I am in that movement where, you know, 10 years ago when I was putting Equinox Vigil together, people were yearning for this kind of thing. And, and I was able to provide that, uh, ritual and that space. So you mentioned that people were yearning for this. What was the initial reaction for the first few of the vigils that you put on? Well, I would say most people really embraced it. Um, lots of families came. It was an opportunity for families to talk about death in a way that it wasn't at grandpa's funeral or um, it was in a way where we're in the cemetery. So it's kind of a beautiful park-like setting already. It's historic. It's right in the middle of downtown Calgary. And just the idea of animating a, a beautiful space like that with more art, with poetry, music, with ways for the people 
for participants to remember their dead um, with other people. And it, it's not a funeral, but it's still a way to commune about our loss, our grief. Uh, we had a tea tent. We served, you know, cookies and and treats, and um, it was it was a lovely evening that people then made it an annual event. Families came every year. The, the, um, there's there was around 500 people that came. Um, at least that's how many we counted. We handed out little hankies um, for people as they walked through the gates, and we had 500 hankies one year. So. Um, so yeah, it was, I consider this work to be a privilege and, um, I work to create traditions and, um, also to give people those traditions that they can then take and make for themselves. And what sort of feedback or comments did people give you? What sort of stories were people sharing with you after these events? Mostly it was the uh, opportunity to be together as a community, all kind of grieving similar things. Um, and sometimes it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a person or a loved one. Um, we did, um, the last few years, we had a, a monument or a, a shrine to animals and people wrote down the names of their pets. Um, we also, the, the last year it was, a uh, a memorial to the planet. There's a lot of um, people are experiencing what is being termed as eco grief. Um, so the world is is fragile. We're fragile. Uh, the pandemic has also heightened a lot of that. So I really think, and it's been my life practice to try to create community through safe and accessible and fun uh, uh, participatory events even if it's around tough subjects like death. Now, what I find interesting is that I don't often hear the terms grief and community in the same sentence. What is it like forming a community around what many would consider a, a negative experience? I think it's around people just feeling comfortable and um, feeling comforted. Uh, and I know uh, um, people that I know that are religious have that have that experience. Not that I'm trying to say I'm creating a religious experience or in any way try to equate um, my work with that. It's it's more grassroots. It's more DIY. It's more gritty Calgary uh, to me um, than something lofty and spiritual. So. Um, I think it is just the opportunity to be together, to be physically together, um, to be together online, which we're all learning is actually not impossible and it still could have a lot of the same meaning. Um, yeah, what else could I say? So I feel like what I was able to do is provide a public service by creating an appropriate event in a civic space. Um, and it became a tradition. It became a comfort. Uh, people knew what they were walking into. It helped to normalize the universality of death. We're all going to experience it in some way or another. Uh, we, and we have a complicated relationship with death. 
um, the mayor, Mayor Nenshi came one, one year and he had some words to say that I remember and it was something like um, that he firmly believes in the power of our community when we come together to say, share the same, breathing the same air as our neighbors. Of course, we know that's different now with COVID. Um, but in community, we require ritual, things we do together. And um, there, events like the Equinox Vigil, everyone experiences it differently, but it's still kind of a community of the whole. Now, I want to go back a little bit and uh, talk about something you mentioned uh, with regards to grief. So you were talking about eco grief and how people were uh, mourning their pets one year at Equinox Vigil as well. So it seems like this isn't strictly limited to, to humans. So is it possible that this isn't strictly about um, dealing with mourning for humans, but just dealing with grief in general? Uh, I'm curious what you have noticed about our attitudes towards grief in general, and if we're able to properly process that in our day-to-day -day in the West. I think we're getting a lot better at it. I, I don't want to be as lofty as to say that it, I had something to do with that, but I feel like I was riding the crest of, uh, of change, of people thinking differently, of transformation. Um, and I feel like we're, we're, we're actually going back to old traditions around death and loss. Um, and, and whereas in my mom's day, it would have been about, uh, you know, a, a deceased loved one. Now I feel like our society is a lot more aware of the things that we're losing climate change, like, uh, you know, um, all kinds of things that aren't necessarily to do with humans, uh, death. So I'm wondering, you mentioned the term death phobic. Is that something you came up with or is that from somewhere? Oh, I don't think I came up with it. I think it's just, it, it was kind of how I was feeling um, after my dad died and uh, people don't mention death. Like even if you read the obituaries, it, they often just say passed away or someone says passed. Um, I try to use the word died. I try to say death and dying, you know, just to normalize that. It's it's universal. We're all going to die. Um, so I, you know, try not to make light of it, but I, I try to use that universality in a way that um, is re respectful and uh, is in a way that people can um, express themselves. I, I do believe that artists have a sacred responsibility to help the community express themselves. Like whether it's viewing a painting and feeling an emotion by viewing that painting or like the work I do, which is creating space for people to use art to express themselves. And it could be even something as tough as grief or mourning. Now, you mentioned expression. I think language is the, the number one way we express ourselves. And you were talking a bit about uh, the types of language we use. I'm wondering, do we have uh, the vocabulary to discuss these things like we would need to? I think we're getting a lot better at it, um, just in evolution and heightened awareness and you know the internet and the fact that we're connected around the world through the internet um so i do feel like our language is changing um 
And and just to comment on language, um, I used to, I in this line of work, you hear a lot of people's stories about death. You hear a lot about, you know, sad, sad, uh, really intense stories about people who have died. And um, I used to think of myself as a vessel. I was always hearing that and um, collecting that information. And um, through some, some other events that I went to as a guest um, in Tucson, actually, they have an event there called um, uh, Parade of Lost Souls. And Tucson's really close to the Mexico border. So they have a, a Day of the Dead event there. Hundreds of thousands of people gather on the street. They really do do the Day of the Dead um, with the Calavera masking on the faces and um, people are in a procession on the street. And I was invited to bring the Digital Shrine there, which is an art project that I, I have as part of Equinox. And um, there were 6,000 people that came to that. So it was pretty immense compared to Calgary. Uh, and it, I, I cried through the whole thing. I was entering people's tributes and tears were just falling out of my eyes. And um, one of the organizers for that, uh, we talked about this idea of vessel, like you're continuing to hear really sad stories. And um, she really helped me understand to change that thinking to conduit. And instead of holding everything, it's a conduit. So I really have embraced that word. And I feel like I don't own how this, how these art pieces and this community comes together, but I can help people. Um, and I'm the conduit. I hold the sacred space and uh, people are able to express themselves through that. Uh, could you share maybe an example or two of how you've been able to help people deal with their grief? Uh, you know, I think it's mostly um, the acts of, uh, like one example, it was the last Equinox Vigil in 2018 that was physically in the Union Cemetery. Um, I, I'm a, like most artists, a, a collector of items. I, and I have around 40 globes, like globes that you have on your desk, right? Those kind of globes. Uh, and they, I just had them around the, the, uh, cemetery and I didn't know really what people were going to do with them, but they picked them up and they carried them around and they hugged them. They hugged the planet. And to me, that was an expression of eco grief, of people just feeling a need to hug um, and just physically walk around with, with a globe when you're surrounded with other people that are all kind of thinking similar things was a comfort. So I feel like that was an example. What other example? What was the question again? The the equinox of I know of a number of families who came to the very first one in 2012, and um, and they brought their young children, and it was the first time that they maybe had ever talked about death with their family, and um, it, it was like it has a little bit of a a festival atmosphere 
but um, it's still somber, but not dire. And um, I think it's a beautiful place for children. So I one of this one of these families got in touch with me a couple of years uh, into the event. They came every year, and um, the the family patriarch had died. The grandfather had died, and the the youngest children knew exactly what they wanted to do about it. They they made a tribute of their own. They, um, when it came time for Equinox Vigil, they, they made a card for their grandpa. And um, so that to me was an example of holding space, helping, teaching, providing tools for people um, for, of all ages. Now, I want to touch on the fact that this is a completely secular event because I think you mentioned prior that uh, your your father's funeral was a, a Catholic one. Necessarily, Catholics have a lot of rituals to deal with this, but I don't think secular people have those rituals. So is it too much to assume that what the vigil is doing is is sort of allowing people to come up with their own rituals or suggest rituals to them? So what is the importance of that in the grieving process? Well, I, I do agree, especially people who do have a deep religious background, they know what to do. They know what songs to sing. They know, um, you know, and older generations know how to write a condolence card or, um, but we've lost, we've lost a little bit of that. And again, I really feel that, um, it's a sacred responsibility. I, you know, even I think artists who, um, present public work. We, we are sharing information, we're sharing creativity, um, and we're giving the public an opportunity to express themselves or to listen and think and, and um, just pause around um, the, 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 how to respond to your own feelings of grief and loss and mourning. Um, I've often thought that people you know, you should wear like a black flower or something on your lapel to just indicate that you're in mourning. Uh, you know, we don't, we're expected to kind of just shrug things off in a couple of weeks and just get back to work. Um, I think some, again, some, a lot of that is changing. There's, there's more time off for people for grief. There's, there's new legislation, I think, that's being talked about right now about um, giving paid time off for um, stillborn births or babies who die right at, right at birth. So a lot of that was untalked about before. And I, I, I am really proud of how we're evolving. And speaking of evolution, I know the last uh, physical Equinox Vigil was 2018. How have things been going since then? Well, we took a year off. And um, my family and friends all breathed a sigh of relief. Um, and it also gave me a pause to think about my own art practice and where I see this work going. Um, and so in 2020, I put it online. It was during the pandemic, um, which was kind of convenient in some ways. It was in September 2020. So by then, most of the population was used to Zoom meetings. So I hosted both in 2020 and in 2021 
a one-hour program um, online. And it was similar to the Equinox Vigil in that there was a beginning, middle, and end. Um, it was an evening of uh, poetry and music. And it was, uh, you know, a, a set was created, a beautiful setting was created. But I handed it to the people online. Like, everybody can make their own ritual. Um, people can create their own shrine. So I invited the public to do that uh, for those two, two years online. For someone who's not well-versed, how would they go about making their own rituals? It, it can be absolutely anything from lighting a candle. And it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the mindfulness of it. So you strike the match or you like flick the bick or you find the right candle and you can, you know, put real flowers or fake flowers or a nice tablecloth. Really, it's just something beautiful that you, that means something to you. Uh, it's similar to what the Mexican uh, culture does around building ofrendas, which are very elaborate and they put out food and um, um, things that, that the deceased person liked. Um, but you can create, I have, I have a shrine that I, I make, uh, and it's just, you know, a beautiful embroidered cloth, a photo and, and lighting a candle really helps. Um, because then, then you, you know, you look at the flame and even just blowing the candle out is an act of, you know, ending. Now. I don't want to end too quickly, so let's talk a bit about what you've been doing uh, apart from the Equinox Vigil. Now, you mentioned uh, Casa Mexico to me. Can you explain to listeners what that is? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, this uh, Casa Mexico is a foundation here in Calgary. It's a charitable organization, and they have been um, recruited uh, to put on a, a number of events around COVID, basically. It's an event that they're calling um, Celebrating Communities, and it's a, it's to honor the people who have died during our COVID year. Um, and a lot of it is because we haven't been together over the last two years. So they're putting together a series of uh, musical events. And um, one the one that's coming up is uh, May 6th at the Bella Concert Hall. There's another one on June 18th, and that's in the Union Cemetery. So I am so honored to be part of uh, Casa Mexico's plans. To me, it is um, an evolution. Again, there's that word of the Equinox Vigil to a more appropriate um, organization, perhaps. Um, I, I often would call the Equinox Vigil a Calgary-style Day of the Dead. Um, however, I'm not Mexican, and um, so I, I didn't ever want to steal that uh, cultural tradition. Um, so Casa Mexico now um, running these, these events and hosting and holding these events is a lot more uh, appropriate, and I'm really glad to be part of it. I have a shrine with, with them as well. And can you tell us a bit about that shrine? You bet. It's uh, again. It's it's a little bit more elaborate. It's a bit of a takeoff from the Equinox Vigil. It's set up uh, in C space. It will be set up at um, 
at the Bella Concert Hall and then again in the cemetery on June 18th. And it's uh, it's just a, a handwritten tribute. People can write the names of anyone who has passed away in the last two years. It doesn't have to be related to COVID. It's also a shrine um, dedicated to the um, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls as well as all the residential uh, children that have been uncovered. Like we're all in a lot of grief right now. Um, so it's again, quite simple. There's some silk flowers. Um, there is, uh, it's a shrine that I, it's kind of a portable shrine that I set up. It's got these beautiful velvet curtains that um, a friend of mine made um, who's now died. Um, so I've set that up and people handwrite a tribute and they're going to all be collected. Uh, and then in September, when I, it's the Equinox Vigil time of year, I'm going to host an online uh, ceremony to burn those tributes. Now, why burn them? To me, it's again, sim as simple as blowing out a candle or it's about putting the energy into the air. I, I, I am about community building. I'm a community-based artist. Um, and I believe that that is continued on in energy as well. So, you know, if you, if you write the name of your deceased person on a piece of paper or write a few words down, and then that gets all put into a basket with a bunch of other names and tributes, but where, you know, what do I do with that? That's a big responsibility. I don't want to like open each one and read them or anything. So, so I, um, after every equinox would burn them in a, my own kind of personal ceremony this year i've i've uh, recruited two artists to help me build a a vessel um even though i don't use that word anymore um to to hold these tributes and that's going to be a gorgeous beautiful well-crafted designed uh, vessel evelyn Cosian is the is the artist and doug haslam is the uh wood he's a sculptor and a pyrotechnician so that sculpture and those tributes are all going to be set on fire and it'll just be a moment. It won't take long, I bet. Um, but again, it's just all of our energies going up into fire and then the ashes will be put into the earth. So Sharon, I know you've also got the afterwards program. Can you tell our listeners a bit about that as well? You bet. It's a, uh, an opportunity and again I'm creating space and um, holding that space for uh, participants to write condolence cards. It's called After Words, um, which I guess could be self-explanatory, but what I've learned over the last 10 years of doing this work is that people don't know what to say, either in person or in a card, and I'm a real card sender. I write cards, I type cards, it's uh, that tactile receiving something in the mail is, is really uh, meaningful to me. So, um, and I also believe it's meaningful for other people. So um, I created this project called Afterwards and it'll be in September, September 10th and 11th. And it'll be in the Union Cemetery. Um, Union Cemetery and I were, were uh, pretty close. <laughs> um, so there's a chapel there that will be hosting uh, workshops. And I've hired a, a writer, Lisa Murphy Lamb, and an artist um, who does cyanotype art. 
and her name is Julia Holensky, and together the public will be invited to come and make a card and write a card. And it can be for someone who's already um, deceased, or it could be just a card for yourself, or a card for the planet, or a card that you uh, have just in your drawer for the right moment. Um, but again, it's just, I'm going to create a beautiful, safe, accessible, artistic, creative space for people to write these cards. So Sharon, I've had you for about a half hour now. I don't want to keep you forever. I'm wondering if you could just tell our listeners who are thinking about the stuff that you've talked about today and who are maybe dealing with their own grief and, and want to do something similar to what you've done. What advice could you give to the people in this city about improving their relationship with death and grieving and the grieving process. I would say it could be, you know, as simple as creating a shrine uh, once a year at a certain date. I always use the equinox in September as my, as my date. I, I love that um, time of year. It's the feeling of going dormant and, um, you know, conserving your energies. Uh, so I would suggest creating your own rituals like that. Um, reading, there are so many resources out in the world now around, um, around death and grief and loss. And, you know, there's whole movements now going back to traditions of green burials or, you know, uh, death doulas, uh, there's a lot more conversations happening. And that's fantastic. Uh, it's normalizing um, death. We're all going to experience it. Um, and it's not as frightening or, or it, I mean, it could be less frightening uh, if there's a creative approach to how you hold your own grief. Um, so I, I would say to, to look to do something on your own but also to reach out to community again because it's a, it's a, an experience that people all share in various ways um, so uh, yeah I, I, I don't know what else I could offer for advice I think one one thing that this has done for me, is it's helped me have conversations with my mother. Um, as I said earlier, she, she, you know, as a child, she saw um, dead people in her, you know, living room because it, they, she was at a wake or, a, you know, a, a, a mourning for her, her family or the town, somebody in the town. And, um, but, but um, when she dies, I want to have, um, I want to be able to talk to her um, or I have been able to talk to her now about what, what I would expect when she dies. I, I want to go back to some of that tradition. Um, and so I feel like that's opened the, the door for me to have different conversations with my mom. She'll still have a Catholic funeral. Um, but I think she's, uh, understanding that I have a, a different kind of spirituality that I would like to, engage or to tap into for myself so that I can grieve and mourn her in a way that honors her, but also in a way that comforts me. So I can't help but notice the through line in all that advice is reaching out and communicating with other people, 
in that spirit, Sharon, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Um, well, I'm on social media. My um, OXYYC is my Instagram based on a project I did called Crash Course on Loving Calgary. So OX, hugs and kisses, YYC. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as Sharon Stevens, but Equinox Vigil also has a website. So it's equinoxvigil.ca. And there you'll see the projects that I've been involved in um, over the last 10 or 12 years. Great. Sharon Stevens, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we sign off, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. We'd also like to acknowledge that Idea City was made on Treaty 7 land and was made possible by Hunter Hub for Social Innovation. This podcast was produced by Work Nicer, Andrew Gilbert, Kurt Archer, Simone Pabretza, and the TEDxYYC graphics team. Music for this podcast is by Sargent and Comrade.